This is the First Emmanuel Lutheran Church podcast. For more information about us, who we are, and how to get connected, check us out online at filministries.org. Today's message is delivered by Pastor Randy Roche. I think many people, or maybe I could say most people, live with thanatophobia. Maybe, maybe you struggle a little bit with thanatophobia. It's the fear of death. But why is it? Why is it people, and sometimes even we Christians, have this anxiety over death, this phobia, this fear of death? And I think, I think it's because of this. Death is not natural. Now you may be saying, well, yeah, it is. I mean, it's, we're born, and then we live, and then we age, and then we die, and it happens to everybody, so it is natural. Well, in that sense, I guess, yes, but in a broader sense, it's not natural because it was never part of God's plan. God never said that he was going to create humans in such a way that they would die. Ours is this this God of life. And because death was not part of God's original perfect plan, we fear it. We fear in two ways. Some people fear death because they wonder if it's final. When you die, is that it? You know, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust with the body, and then maybe the spirit is gone if there is one, and the consciousness is gone, and boom, nothing. Kaput. Well, there are some people who fear death because they hear that there's life after death, and some of it is good and some of it isn't, and so they wonder. Am I going to be able to make it to the good part of eternal life? How do I get there? What's beyond the grave? Well, we know that there is a life after death. That's a fact. And here's another fact. We want eternal life. Everybody does. Nobody really wants to die. We want life. We want an unending life. And I think that's a natural thought for human beings. We want this eternal life because that's what we were originally created for. So on the one hand, we fear death because it was never part of God's original perfect plan. And on the other hand, we long for eternal life because that's exactly what God had planned for us. We are wired for life. This is all evidenced, I think, from the first two chapters of the Bible in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, when God created all things out of nothing and then reached down and took the clay of the earth and formed the human body and breathed into it the breath of life, and there you have the soul, and man became a living being. And God said to our first parents, I'm going to place you in this garden that I made especially for you. And this is a perfect place, and you're perfect, so it should be just perfect for you. 
I've given you everything that you need. You're free to eat from any of the trees in the garden with the exception of one. And be really careful, and I'm going to warn you about this, said God. The day you eat from this tree, you'll die. Now, now let's stop there for a moment. The day you eat of this tree, you'll die. Die. It wasn't part of the vocabulary because it wasn't a part of life. They didn't know what death was, but they sure knew this. If God was against death, so were they. And so every time they walked past that tree, even though it might have looked pretty good, maybe its fruit was pretty enticing, but every time they looked at the tree and said, we're not going to eat from that, they were showing their love for God, their trust in God, their belief in God. It was their form of worship of God. But then one day the devil slithered into the perfect garden. How's the food, he asked. Good. Yeah, we can eat from any of the trees except for this one. Seriously, why not? Well, God told us the day we eat it, we'll die. Oh, seriously, says the devil, you believe that one. God doesn't want you to eat from that because he knows when you eat it, you'll be like him. You'll know both good and evil. And there it was. Decision time. Would our first parents believe the word of God? Or would they believe the word of the devil? And in their pride, in their arrogance, they lean the devil's way. And they partake in the forbidden fruit. And they bring sin into the world, into their lives. Imperfection. And the Bible tells us, by one man's sin enter the world and death through sin. And sin entered the spiritual bloodstream of the human race. And we have inherited it from generation to generation. And along with that, we have inherited death death and we fear it we loathe it. it causes anxiety and worry and angst and we do everything we can in order to hold it off to stave it off we just try to prolong the inevitable and now well science is playing with cryogenics if you die we'll freeze you and if we come up with some kind of a cure for your disease We'll lay out on the kitchen counter. We'll thaw you out like Italian sausage before a good meal. And we'll fix you up again. And then you can live. Only to die again. Death stands before every one of us. And so when this life comes to an end... Where can we find eternal life? That was the question of the rich young ruler, Jesus and his disciples setting off from Jericho on a journey. And he runs in front of Jesus, saying, hang on, good teacher, let me ask you a question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That is the deep-seated question in the heart, the mind, and the soul of every human being. How do I get eternal life? What do I have to do so that I don't have to be worried about death or what lies beyond the grave? The natural question. And the honest answer is this. We already have 
eternal life. It's ours. Again, ours is a God who shares life, who engenders life, who richly provides life. He's not the God of death. He's the victor over death. That's really what chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians is all about. Maybe today that's part of your devotion by yourself or with your family. 1 Corinthians 15, that Christ is the victor and so are we. We have eternal life. You know, Jesus was called into a cemetery and Mary and Martha pointed to a tomb that held their lifeless brother Lazarus for four days. Jesus said, take that stone away. And he called Lazarus out of the tomb and back into life. But you know what? Lazarus would have to die again. We're not looking for cryogenics. <laughs> what we're looking for is something that's, something that's going to be a permanent solution to death. That's exactly what we want. And that's exactly what Jesus is. Jesus alone is the permanent solution to death. And the rich young ruler found that he couldn't earn his way to eternal life. And he missed what Jesus was trying to give him. Just get rid of everything else in your mind that makes you think that you can somehow, some way, reach heaven because you can't. And just trust in me. John 14, Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm it. I'm the, I'm the door. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And eternal life is a free gift to all who believe in him. Wait a minute, Jesus. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm, I'm a sinner. I, I try hard. I would love to be the one that you could look at and say, oh, you are just great. You love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind. You love your neighbor as yourself. You are just amazing. But Jesus, that's not me. Uh, Jesus, I'm broken. I'm imperfect. I find that I do the things I shouldn't do and I don't do the things that I should do. And Jesus says, I know. I know. I see it. But that's why I came to earth. So that I could live the perfect life. Because you can't. And I want my righteousness to be yours. I'll give you my righteousness. Jesus, thank you. But what about the sins that I commit? I know that the wages of sin is death, Jesus. And, and I've got all of this guilt and shame and all of this baggage. Should I just ignore it? And Jesus says, no, don't ignore it. I didn't ignore it. I crucified it. I've forgiven it. So that you shouldn't have any more guilt or shame. Just forgiveness. Yeah, Jesus, but I'm still going to die. And Jesus says, yep. I did that, says Jesus. I've been there. I've done that. And I broke the bonds of grave by my resurrection. I blazed a trail for you through your grave into the joys of life everlasting. All you have to do is believe in me. There's a modern day philosopher. He was being interviewed and, and it was a good question that was asked of him. 
Is there life after death? Good question. Pretty sad answer. The answer was this. We don't know if there is life after death because nobody has died and come back to tell us. Well, the truth is someone did die and has come back to tell us, and that someone is Jesus. And not only has he come back to tell us that there is eternal life, he's come back to tell us that that eternal life is ours by faith. And that's why I can say, and you can say, with all confidence, that eternal life is a present possession. Listen this. Listen to what Jesus says in John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. The word is has. He doesn't say, if you believe in him who sent me, you will have eternal life. You have it. It's yours. This past week, my wife and I got on computer and uh, we booked uh, airline flights to South Carolina. We're going to spend Thanksgiving with our daughter and her family. And we have our tickets. I can, I can show you. My name's on it. And the date and time is on there. And the destination, Greenville, South Carolina. It's mine. It's, it's my present possession. I'm not there yet. But it's still mine. And when the date comes around and the time... I will be delivered unto South Carolina. We have a ticket to heaven. It's ours. It's Jesus. Our name's on it. Our date's on it too. I'm not sure I want to know. But I do know this. When it's time to, as my friend would say, punch your ticket... I know right where I'm going. And my friends, we can be assured, we who believe in Jesus, that the moment we close our eyes to this life, we have the privilege of opening them to life eternal. And this is why we confess week after week, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. We're going to heaven. In the meantime... What do we do while we wait for this eternal life? I think we do two things. I think we do some remembering, reminding. A hymn writer many years ago, maybe you've sung this one too, he, he penned these words, I'm but a stranger here. Heaven is my home. I'm just passing through. This is the journey. Heaven's the destination. Eternal life is what we were designed to live. And it's waiting for us. And sometimes we don't live as if heaven's the destination. Sometimes we live as this is the end all be all. This is where we were designed and meant to be. And yes, true, but just for a while. We're going to heaven. 
And so St. Paul would tell us to set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are here on earth. Now, he's not saying don't take care of your physical body or your material things. He's not saying that. What he's saying is don't base your entire existence on this. Remember, you're heading to heaven. Most often when I get out of bed in the morning and my feet hit the floor and I'm heading toward the shower, my simple prayer is this. Jesus, I was just thinking, this would be a good day for you to come back. But if it isn't, then show me how I can serve you. To remember remembering whose we are and where we're going. And then I think the other thing we need to do is continue to strengthen that God-given faith, which is spiritual wisdom to remind us that we're on our way to heaven, but it's also the spiritual wisdom for us to be able to navigate this world that's often dark and disappointing. So my prayer, my prayer for myself and for each one of you is that all of our days here on earth would be filled with joy and peace and contentment, but that we should also remember that our best day here on earth cannot compare to any one of the endless days of heaven. So be assured that the best is yet to come. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you want to learn more about First Emmanuel Lutheran Church, visit filministries.org. We'll see you next week, and God bless.